Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. All right. Whew, I tell you, I don't even know if I really need to preach any at this point. <laughs> Say a prayer and go home, give an invitation or something. Brian did mention that uh, this past Friday made four years of us being here in Leslie County. It's hard to believe. In a, in a lot of ways, it seems like we just got here. And then in a lot of ways, it seems like we've been here forever. I can't even hardly remember living anywhere else. But four years flies by, and God has done so much over the past four years. I was thinking this week, I remember the first night that we, that we stayed in the parsonage. We moved over, and uh, it was a Saturday night. So we had church the next morning, and we were trying to get settled in. We'd had some stuff going on that day. Got in a little bit late after dark and stuff, and uh, we realized that we didn't have any hot water. So trying to figure all that out, and I'm going down to the basement, that creepy, weird basement of the parsonage. And uh, if, you don't, if you want to know what I'm talking about, just go check it out sometime. It's, it's spooky. So I'm going down there, and it's dark, and i got a flashlight. And I, find a, I think I finally found a light switch, but I was going down through there. Uh, when we moved here, Easton was about Audrey's size, a little bit bigger than Audrey. And I heard this noise, and I turned around just in time to see Easton taking a step off them steps and go tumbling down them stairs. I guess he couldn't see that it was steps. It just looked like a, a doorway. So, man, he's all busted up. His face is all busted up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Then I'm trying to figure out. I go down there, and there's two water heaters, and there's 18 different things to turn. I'm trying to figure out how to get hot water because the preacher's wife's got to have a hot shower before church. All that. And so finally get all that figured out and uh, go to bed and I'm laying there and I go to sleep and I wake up and I hear some sounds. It was mice crawling around the house. And I was like, oh Lord, what have we gotten into? <laughs> but <laughs> it, 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 just long story short, man, it has just been, it's been so awesome. So great, and to hear stories of God doing things in people's lives, just like by shared this morning, uh, wow! So many great things in such a short amount of time. That's what I tell people. I'll be honest; I keep turning down really good jobs to stay here. It is, it's getting more frequently, and it's almost like uh, you know sometimes God will uh, give you opportunities, but I think the devil sometimes presents good opportunities just to see if if you're going to take the bait or not. I ain't taking it, man. I, we're in this for the long run. So I, I'm just thrilled to see what God's going to do in the future. Well, this week we're going to finish up the Who's Your One series. And I've, I've loved, has anybody, have y'all got a lot out of this? I've loved this. Um, I've loved the prayer focus. <coughs> we're going to keep the theme going because this is the heart of evangelism. Uh, to be honest, so but we got to finish up and move on to other things. Uh, is anybody like Spider-Man, the superhero movies and stuff like that? So there's a scene in the I guess it's the first Spider-Man came out a long time ago, and uh, 
Pete's figuring out that he is Spider-Man, I guess. And he's got this wise old Uncle Ben that, that tells him his little nugget of truth. And Ben says, actually what he says is just like this. He says, with great power comes great responsibility. Remember that, Pete. Remember that. You realize that's scripture, right? That's a biblical principle from Spider-Man. Jesus taught us that basically who has been given much, much more will be expected or demanded. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus is talking about his return. In verses 47 and 48, Jesus says, The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. And then he says it. He says, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Rockhouse Baptist Church, have we been given much? You, sometimes you look at our bank statements, you think, man, we ain't been given nothing. But we have been blessed beyond measure in this church and in this community. I, I think about last year, 42 baptisms. The year before, 40 baptisms. So many lives have been impacted with the gospel and the love of Christ in such a short amount of time. We have been given the gift of eternal life. We have been given uh, the sacred trust of carrying the gospel message out into Leslie County. God has given us so much. And I guess the question is, if He's given us much, and much is going to be expected, then what are we going to do with what we've been given? I want to look, Luke 12 is not our passage this morning, that's just the principle, but I want to look at Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. It's a long passage of Scripture, but man, Jesus basically, uh, He put me in my place this week. And let's read this together. Jesus is telling a story. He says, For it, talking about the kingdom of heaven, He says, It's just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Talent is a unit of measure or a sum of money. Then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. He hid it. He, the, the, the language there reminds me of a song <laughs> uh, we used to sing as kids. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. That's what this guy did. He hid his master's money in the ground. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, what we all want to hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. 
His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Share your master's joy. And now we come to this one. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So, I was afraid. How many of us are afraid? I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. His master replied to him, You evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. So this is a parable that Jesus shares with his disciples in the context of talking about him leaving this world, going away for a while, and then someday returning back. And he's trying to teach them what to do and how to act. In the meantime, a parable is simply a story that Jesus used in order to prove or teach a point. So in this story, the servants are given various talents. And again, they're not real talents like being able to sing and dance. Me and Biden need to get together and do some dancing sometimes. I got a feeling it'd be pretty similar. But it's not those kind of talents. It's, it's actually money. It's, uh, one talent was approximately 6,000 denarii, which would have been about 20 years normal working man's wages. So the guy that got five talents basically got 100 years worth of income to do something with. It's like hitting the jackpot. He got, he got the, the, the lotto pick five in the first century here. A lifetime of wages. And the one with five was faithful, the one with two was faithful, but the one who only had one totally missed the mark. Isn't that ironic? The one that had the least was the one that messed up the most. <laughs> the point of the story that Jesus is trying to teach is simply the principle we saw in Luke chapter 12. To whom much is given... Much will be expected. Now some people will preach this and they'll say, Man, church, we need to use everything that God has given us for the kingdom of God. And that's true. We need to uh, use our talents. We need to use our gifts. We need to use all the resources for the Lord. And that's true. We need to give all our money for the work of the church and the, the expansion of the gospel. That's all true. But what is the most important thing that Christ has actually entrusted to us? The gospel message. Between the time that Jesus left this earth until the time he returns again to judge this world, the one thing, that, which is the context of this passage of Scripture, by the way, the one thing, the greatest thing that Jesus has left to us is the gospel message. What did he say right before he left? Go and make disciples. Yeah, some of us have got money, some of us have got things, but the most important thing a Christian has is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, one of the points of who's your one is to reemphasize the value of one. 
to legitimize the value of one person, one soul, the, 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 the value of one lost person coming to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Feed that baby, man. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> You're going to get in trouble. Be careful there. But we often get wrapped up on all these numbers. Five, two, ten, five thousand. We forget how important that one is. How important that badge is. You may not be trusted to reach two or five or five thousand but everybody has a one. Everybody has one person in their life that needs to hear the gospel and that they can directly impact. Tom Patterson likes to t say that God don't have any throwaway people. Ain't that true? This parable reminds us that one matters. And if we're unfaithful with our one, there's going to be consequences to pay. Here they are. First thing, if we're unfaithful with one, one more may go to hell. You ever stop and realize that we're dealing with pretty serious stuff in our Christian life? That we are doing things and saying things that could potentially be a matter of life and death eternally? Hell is still hot. Life is still short. And Christ has placed at least one person in your life. And it is very literally a matter of life and death if they hear the gospel or not. If we're faithful or not. Now a lot of people at this point will say, Now preacher, buddy, I believe in the sovereignty of God. And I like to think now if God's going to save somebody, then it don't matter what I do. He's going to save them one way or the other. Now listen, I believe in God's sovereignty with all my heart. But God is sovereign in a way that he designed the church to be the mechanism that spreads the gospel. Johnny Hunt likes to put it this way. He, I quote, The world will not hear the gospel unless God's people get faithful and take the gospel to the ends of the earth, period. He didn't choose to use a loudspeaker or the angels. He raised us up filled us with the Holy Ghost, gave us the Word of God, gave us our marching orders, the Great Commission, and He sent us out. If we don't go, Amen. Think about it. If we don't go, if we don't share, if we don't uh, love, if we don't obey Christ and share the Gospel, who's going to? If the church won't do it, who is? It's tragic when you have to stand any time in life. It's always sad uh, to stand before a casket at a funeral and grieve and mourn. But it's truly tragic when you stand there and you can't say for certain that you know that person is with Jesus. There's hardly any peace when that's the case. I don't know if they got saved. Were they actually burning in hell right now? See, that's the, that's the difference. But when, you're, when, you're, when you know that somebody knew Jesus, yeah, you grieve, yeah, it hurts. But man, at least there's some joy in the middle of that pain. 
knowing that not only are they with the Lord, but if you're with the Lord too, now someday you get to see them again. If you don't know, uh, a good way that this is, I mean, this is deep stuff. If you don't know if somebody is saved, and what I mean if somebody's saved, if you don't know if somebody's going to heaven or they're going to hell, a good way to find out is ask them. It's really complicated stuff. But ask them. And they'll either say yes, no, or I don't know. And guess what? If it's I don't know, guess what the answer is? No. Second thing, if we're unfaithful with our one, guess what? That means they may not reach their one or ones. The first week of this, we talked about the Apostle Andrew met Jesus. Immediately, he goes and he tells Peter, we have found the Messiah. And he did what? He brought Peter to Jesus. Now, what if Andrew had been unfaithful with his one? Now, we know a lot more about Peter than we know about Andrew, don't we? If Peter hadn't come to Jesus and followed Jesus... Who would have preached the Pentecostal sermon on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ in a single day? Who would have led those people to Christ? Who would have led the people that those people would have led to Christ if Andrew hadn't brought Peter to Jesus? Listen, you don't have to be a great preacher or a great speaker or even a great theologian to make an impact like this. We don't have any record of Andrew ever preaching to a large crowd of people. He was always bringing and inviting somebody personally to Jesus. He was, a best we can tell, a man's man. We think, well, it's a certain kind of person that actually goes and talks about this gospel stuff, this Jesus stuff. Andrew, the name Andrew literally means manly. Isn't that cool? He was a manly fisherman by trade. And he was out there going to people, sometimes one-on-one, and bringing them back to Jesus. Think about the impact that Charles Spurgeon had on the world. This great preacher. They call him the Prince of Preachers. A Baptist preacher, by the way. And we got to wonder, what great preacher, what great missionary led Charles Spurgeon to Christ? It was just a normal guy in the church. For whatever reason, he went to church one day, and a, 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 a layman, we would call him, just a, a normal guy got up and was sharing the message, and he opened the Bible, and he read from the Scriptures, and he said... Look unto Jesus, and behold, you will be saved. And he pointed out at Charles Spurgeon. He said, you young man, be saved. And guess what? He got saved. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't pull him aside and walk him down the Roman road. He didn't teach him about uh, substitution and propitiation and justification and sanctification and glorification. He said, man, Jesus is the way and you need Jesus. Why don't you get saved? And he did. You don't have to be a <laughs> Charles Stanley to lead somebody to Jesus. But Spurgeon went on. And of course, he led many people to Jesus. He impacted many ministers along the way. And he said, if you don't care to see people get saved and to share the gospel, you're probably not saved either. And I tend to agree. Folks, we've got to get fired up about what really matters. You have no idea who your one will become who your one will impact. But I can tell you this much, and you can be pretty sure of this, if you're unfaithful with your one, there's a good chance they may end up in hell and they'll never reach anybody. Last thing, if we're unfaithful with our one, we, we will be judged accordingly. 
Again, the context of this passage of Scripture is Christ coming back. I still believe Jesus is coming back. And I think it's sooner rather than later. And when He does, I'll tell you what, I'd rather be, I wish He'd come right now while I was preaching, you know, or out here on the field somewhere sharing the gospel. But that's, that's what we want. He's coming back and He's going to judge the world and He's going to make everything new. And I think it's no coincidence if you've gone through your prayer guide, day 30 talks about this, the last day. says this, says, Lord... I long for the day when you will make all things new. This world is broken, and I know you will come and recreate all things. I know you have set a day when Christ will return and do just that. I ask you to save my one before that great day. Make him or her thirsty for the water of life you freely give. Use the witness of your people to point him or her to salvation through Jesus Christ. I know you are the beginning and the end, the, hope, the only hope for salvation for all people. So I ask you to give my one new life in Christ. I'll be honest, I often wonder if Christ did come back today. How many people in the church would actually be found faithful? How many people could say, Lord, I took what you gave me, and look at this. Or, Lord, I was afraid, and I hid it, I squandered it. How many people would hear these words? Again, verse 26. His master replied to him. You, get, you understand the master in this passage is Jesus, right? His master replied to him, You evil, lazy, servant. If you knew I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I've received my money back with interest when I return. He's saying, Christian, I've made a significantly large deposit in you. I've invested in you. I've given my life as a ransom for you on the cross. And what do I get as a return on my investment in you? Are you a multiplying disciple? Or did you hoard your salvation? Did you squander it? Hide it inside the church walls? Hoping you get to heaven while everybody else went to hell. He says, so take the talent from him. Give it to the one who has ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have even what he has will be taken away from you. Isn't that scary language? What he has will be taken away from him and throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The story about the great preacher D.L. Moody. And we always think of him as a great preacher, but I'll be honest, D.L. Moody struggled a lot, very early on especially. D.L. Moody only had about the equivalent of a fifth grade education when he started preaching. He couldn't, he's kind of like me, he didn't really talk all that good sometimes, you know? And one time after, after preaching, it was pretty common for people to give him a hard time about his sermons. And, and one evening he, after he preached, this woman came up to him and, and she was kind of talking about how how he butchered the king's English, as she put it. And he, he, and he said to her, he said, Ma'am, he said, pray for me. He said, I want to do better. And I'm working to try to get better at the English language. But what I'm trying to do is give the gospel all I can, with all I know, 
so that all who can hear maybe will come. I felt like that was a pretty humble response, but then he felt like the Holy Spirit told him to say something else. You know how sometimes that happens. He said, uh, he said, ma'am, what are you doing with what you have? <laughs> some of us may be educated. Some of us may have more money than others. Some of us may have talents and gifts. Some of us may just have the gospel. Brian, sometimes that's all we got, man, just the gospel. That's it. Sorry. But what are you doing with whatever it is that God has given you? Because if we're unfaithful, people will go to hell. They won't reach their friends and family. And we will be judged accordingly when Christ returns. Would you, uh, would you pray with me? Lord, we, uh, God, I know I'm, I'm challenged by your words. Lord, I know that we have been given so much. God, as Bible says, if you're all we have, God, that's enough. But you have given us so many different uh, ways, God, different means, different methods of, of sharing your gospel. And God, a lot of times we don't even try. Lord, we pass people every day. We're surrounded by people in our family and our friends in our places of work that desperately need Jesus. God, have mercy on us for not being faithful. God, even with one. And Lord, as we conclude this series, God, I pray that we would continue to pray for our ones. I pray that we would continue to do what we can to reach them. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today, like Bob said, he was somebody's one. God, if there's a one in this room and they know it, if there's somebody here that's not saved, God, I pray that today they would find you. They would be saved here. Lord, we love you and we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us this morning. I want to end this series the way that we began it. And what I mean by that is I want to end in a time of prayer, church-wide prayer and commitment to reaching our one. So, first of all, I've got a few, few invitations this morning. First of all, if you're not saved and you need Jesus, I invite you to come and get saved this morning. Like Bob said, it's the greatest decision that you will ever make. And you'll, I've never met anybody that got saved and said, you know what, I wish I'd never done that. You need Jesus. Your life will never be the same. Second thing, if you, uh, if you are a Christian here today and you just need to make a fresh commitment to following Christ to being faithful with what He's given you I invite you to come let us pray with you uh, make that commitment public today if your one is here just like we began several weeks ago if your one is in this room Christian be bold invite them to come and pray with you lead them to Jesus like Andrew brought his brother Peter to Christ this morning last thing everybody else inside your bullets and you would have found a little a little slip of paper I think as a church we need to take our prayer life to the next level. And what I'm inviting everybody else to do this morning is simply write down the name of your one. I got my one on here. And every week I want us to pray over these ones as a church. 
Tuesday night, we're going to gather, we're going to pray over these. And we're going to ask that God would sincerely do a work in their lives. And I believe that in time, we're going to be able to pull these out one by one as they come to Jesus. Would you do that this morning? Whatever it is the Lord's leading you to do, won't you come as we sing? Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.